We are going to dive right in tonight because we have a lot of ground to cover and a little bit of time to do it in. So uh, if you haven't been here before or if you haven't been here in a while, maybe you haven't tuned into the live stream or anything, we are in the midst of a series, uh, getting to the end of it, a midst of a series we're calling Names of God. And this series is all about Old Testament names of God uh, that that are revealed in his word. We started this series four weeks ago by talking about the name El Shaddai, which means Lord Almighty, God Almighty. And then we talked about God's personal name. His personal name is Yahweh, or sometimes in the King James Version, it'll say Jehovah, but it means Lord, it means God. It's God's personal name that he revealed to his people. And the reason God revealed his name was so that he could have a personal relationship with his people. And that's us. So God has revealed to us his personal personal name because he wants to have a personal relationship with us. And and think about it. Whenever you introduce yourself to somebody, what's the first thing you tell them? You tell them your name, right? Hey, my name is Sean. And that's because I want to have some kind of relationship with you. And so therefore I reveal my name. And that's what God did. He revealed his personal name to humanity so that we could have a personal relationship with him by grace through faith in Jesus. We'll talk more about that in a little while. Um, So last week, uh, two weeks ago, we talked about the name Yahweh Rapha, which means the Lord is my healer, that the Lord is, he is the Lord who heals me. And we talked about how God heals our broken hearts, our broken bodies, our broken minds, and our broken souls. And he does that by his healing nature. So God is the great physician. He is the one who heals us. So uh, last week we talked about Yahweh Yairah, how God is our provider. The Lord will provide. And we saw how Abraham was commanded to sacrifice his son, but Abraham knew God would provide a ram for the sacrifice instead of his son. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. So God is our provider. He provides for every single one of our needs, whether it's a physical need or a financial need, an emotional need, a spiritual need. God is our provider and we can trust him to provide for all of our needs. Now, this week, we're going to talk about Yahweh uh, we're going to talk about Adonai, the name Adonai. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about Yahweh Rah, which means the Lord is my shepherd. And we're going to look at Psalm 23 next week. And then in two weeks, we're going to start a new series I'm very excited about uh, called Flip the Script. And it's all about emotion, emotions and dealing with our emotions. And so we're going to talk about how, we're going to, how we have negative and positive emotions and how they are on two different sides of the same coin. So we're going to talk about greed and generosity, those two sides of the same coin. Uh, So we're going to talk about a bunch of different emotions for six weeks uh, as we see them in the Old Testament and how uh, we can deal with our emotions better here in the 21st century. So I'm looking forward to that and doing that with you guys here in just a couple of weeks. Um, But for tonight, we are going to talk about Adonai, this name Adonai, and what it means. Uh, And the first time that this passage, this verse is used is in the book of Genesis. Now, let me set the stage for you real quick of where we are in the Old Testament. Um, if you've got uh, your uh, app, if you haven't, uh, if you've got your phone, you can go to the GFCC app. We have our own app here. If you haven't gotten our app yet, you can go to your app store, search for GFCC, and you can download our app to your phone. And you can follow along with the sermon notes, and you can uh, get push notifications about things that are going on around here. You can read the bulletin, our newsletter. It's all there in the app. You can watch old services. It's very handy. Uh, so, and encourage you to check it out and you can follow along with tonight's 
sermon. So in Genesis chapter 12, God appears to a man named Abram and says, Abram, I want you to leave your father's household. I want you to leave your land. I want you to leave your family. And I want you to go to the land I'm going to show you. And I'm going to make you the father of a great nation. You're going to have lots and lots of descendants, as many as the sand on the seashore and the stars in the sky. Abraham, I'm going to bless you. And when I bless you, you're going to be a blessing. In fact, the whole world will be blessed through your offspring. Abraham is well advanced in age. He has no children, and he's kind of freaking out about this situation. Well, in Genesis chapter 17, God appears to Abram and says, I'm going to change your name to Abraham. And he reaffirms his promise to him. You're going to have lots of descendants. You're going to be the father of a great nation. Problem is, Abraham still doesn't have any children. He's well advanced in age. We're going to back up just a couple chapters to Genesis 15 verses 1 and 2. And this is what it says. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And so Abram is freaking out that he doesn't have any kids yet. And God has promised him that he was going to have many descendants, like the sand on the seashore, stars in the sky. He's, you're going to have many descendants. You're going to be the father of a great nation. And Abram's saying, I don't have any kids. What is going on here? He was not very patient with God. But what's interesting is how he refers to God in this passage in verse 2. He says, sovereign Lord, sovereign Lord. That word there, Lord, is the word Adonai. Now, if you remember a few weeks ago, when we talked about Yahweh. We said that the name of the personal name of God, Yahweh, means Lord. And it is so holy that devout Jews will not even pronounce it. And so oftentimes in the Old Testament where Yahweh would occur, they would change it out for Adonai instead of Yahweh. They would put Adonai there instead of Yahweh. And that's what happens here in Genesis 15 too. He says, sovereign Lord, Adonai what can you give me? Okay, it was a trust issue that Abraham, Abram was having with God. Now, I want to break down those two words for you. The first is the word sovereign. What does sovereign mean? It means possessing supreme or ultimate power. Supreme or ultimate power. In other words, completely and totally, utterly in control, in charge. That's God. God is supreme. He is sovereign. He has ultimate power. What God says goes. What God says goes. He is completely in charge, completely in control, and totally sovereign. Now, we still have free will. I believe that we have free will, that we can make choices, good, bad, dumb, smart, otherwise. We have the ability to make choices. But that doesn't uh, impact God's ability to control the future. It doesn't impact God's ability to work everything out in history towards his desired end. It doesn't uh, preclude God's ability to work everything out for good. And he has promised in his word to work everything out for good. If you will follow Jesus, if you will love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, if you will do the will of God, if you will seek the will of God, God has promised to work everything in your life out for good. And he can do it. And he will. Just trust him. Like I said, that was the problem Abram was having with God. But even though he was having a trust issue with God, he still says you are sovereign. You are ultimately in charge. You are ultimately in control. Your ultimate power is yours. Now, the second part of this is the Hebrew name that we're studying tonight, Adonai. 
And this name means Lord or Master. Lord or Master. Now, it indicates a subservient relationship. That if God is Lord and if God is the Master, that means we are his servants. If we refer to God as Master, it means that we are his servants. That God is the one who's in charge. God is in control. God is the master. What he says, we do. What he says, goes. This word is used, this name, Adonai, is used a couple of different times in the Old Testament. In fact, it's used 434 times uh, in the Old Testament. Um, but I want to look at just a couple of examples of when it is used. One of those is in Psalm 54, verse 4. And it says, surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. And that word, the Lord there, the Lord is Adonai. Adonai is the one who sustains me. God is my helper. When I can't do it. When I can't make it on my own, the Lord is the one who surely helps me. The Lord, Adonai, sustains me. My Lord sustains me. He keeps me going. When I don't have the strength in myself to keep going, when I don't have the ability and the power to keep going, God sustains me. He keeps me going. He provides for me. He helps me. And I don't know how he does it because it's got to be a full-time job just trying to help me because I am pretty helpless most of the time. But God sustains me. He helps me. He keeps me going. The Lord, my master, my king, my sovereign keeps me going. In Psalm 86, verse 15, it says, But you, Lord are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. You, Lord, you, Adonai, are a compassionate and gracious God. You know, sometimes we look at God and we think about God and we think, he's out to get me. I don't know what I did. You know, how many of you ever said that? I don't know what I did in a past life. Anybody? You didn't have a past life, by the way. I'm just telling you that, but... Um, but you ever said that? It's like, I don't know what I did in a past life, but God is out to get me. God is not out to get you. The Lord is slow to anger. He is compassionate and gracious. When I hear the word compassion, I think of sympathy. That God is sympathetic to my plight. He is sympathetic to my situation. He is compassionate toward his creation that God looks at you in your situations and in your circumstances in your difficulties and in your dilemmas and he looks at you with eyes of compassion and he looks at you and says oh my poor child I know you don't understand and I know that you are weary and I know that you are tired and I know that you are heartbroken and I know that you are struggling and I know that you feel alone and you feel uh, just worthless sometimes. And I want you to know God just comes up to you and he just wraps his arms around his hands around your face and says, I just want you to know that I love you. You are my precious child. 
though we have this servant-lord relationship, this servant-master relationship, he does not treat us harshly or sternly. He is not a stern taskmaster. That's not God. God is a compassionate Lord. He is gracious, willing to forgive our many, many sins. He is slow to anger. I don't know about you all, but there are times in my life when I am not slow to anger, that I am quick to anger. Anybody else quick to anger? Occasionally, a few times, sometimes. Kids getting on your nerves. Packers losing the Stand FC championship game. That'll do it. That'll do it for me right there. That'll do it. But I get, I get quick to anger. The Bible says that God is slow to anger. He is abounding in love. He overflows with love. Now, that's not a reason to get out of bed in the morning. Just to wake up and go, man, I am loved by the God of the universe. I am loved by God. And he does. He really does. He loves each and every one of you. Every single one of you. God loves you. And I've told you this before. I'm going to tell you it again. I didn't plan on saying this, but I'm going to tell you it again. God likes you. Like he likes you. And you may not feel very likable. I don't feel likable sometimes. I don't feel likable most of the time. But God likes me. And he likes you too. Do you know how I know he likes you? Because he wants you to go to heaven. He wants to spend forever with you. And we don't like to spend time with people that we don't like. God wants to spend forever with you. With every single one of you. He wants to spend forever with you. He tells me that he likes you. He loves you and he likes you. And he wants to spend forever with you. What a reason to get out of bed, right? Just to wake up and go, man... I get to go to heaven someday. I'm going to have a, just, a, just the best day ever, living in the light of God's love, knowing that God is pouring out his love on me right now. How amazing is that? This is the God of the universe. This is God who loves you. Well, here's another one. Psalm 97, verse 5 says this. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth, before Adonai. The mountains melt like wax. In other words, God has supreme power over nature. God has supreme power over nature. Like if God wanted this snowstorm outside to stop right now, he could do it. I really wish he would. But I live in northwest Indiana and these things don't happen anymore. But if God wanted to stop it, he could. He has supreme power over nature. Now, we've talked a lot about God being Lord and being our sovereign, being supreme. I want to, I want to kind of flip over to the New Testament for just a minute. Because this, this word Adonai is also used in the New Testament, but it's used with a different word. The New Testament is written in ancient Greek. And I'm going to share with you the ancient Greek word for Lord in just a minute. But I want, I want you to see this passage from Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11 says, therefore God exalted him. He's talking about Jesus. God exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ is 
Lord. In that passage in Philippians chapter 2, Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul tells the church of Philippi that Jesus humbly came to earth as a servant, as a slave, and he served humanity by going to the cross and dying for your sins and mine. And if you'll put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ by believing in him and turning away from sin, by repenting from your sins and saying, I'm not going to sin anymore, I want to live for Jesus. If you will confess your faith and get baptized, God is going to cleanse you from all your sins. He's going to purify you from all unrighteousness. He's going to forgive every sin you've ever committed and every sin that you ever will commit. He's going to forgive you and cleanse you and purify you and fill you with his Holy Spirit and take you to heaven to live with him forever and ever and ever. And there's coming a day when every knee will bow, Paul says. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. When we see him face to face, there will be nothing else to say other than he is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. Meaning he is in charge. He is in control. He is, he is the Adonai of the Old Testament. He is Lord in the New Testament. Forever and ever. I told you that you know, God has the power over nature. And we see this in Luke chapter 8 verses 22 through 25. I love this story. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got in the boat and they set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. So Jesus is sleepy. He's tired. He's going to take a nap. A squall came down to the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we are going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where's your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Wow. Master, master, we're going to drown. I, I wonder if Jesus is thinking to himself, he's like, don't you know who I am? Like, nothing bad's going to happen to me. I got a job to do, folks. Don't you know me? He says, where's your faith? And he just speaks to the wind and the waves and the sea grows calm. What? He is Lord. He is Lord. The ancient Greek word, I was going to give you a little ancient Greek lesson tonight. Ancient Greek lesson, the ancient Greek word for Lord is kurios. Kurios. It means Lord or master. It occurs 665 times in the New Testament. It means the owner or one who has control of the person or the master. It's a, it's a language of a servant and a master. And what we see in that story where Jesus calms the storm is that everything serves Jesus. Everything. He is the master over everything. He is the master over everything. He is Lord. He is Adonai. He is Kyrios. He is Lord. So what does that mean for us? What does it mean for you that Jesus is Lord? I love this quote from Tony Evans. Tony Evans is an author and pastor, uh, and uh, he's one of my favorites. And this is what he said. He goes, God is not going to give you more of Jehovah or Yahweh. In other words, he is not going to continue to reveal himself and his ways to you if you are not willing to confess more of him as Adonai. He is not going to reveal himself personally to you unless you are willing to confess him as master, as Lord, as Adonai. Jesus has to be the Lord of every area of your life. I've heard it said that Jesus is either Lord of all 
or he is not Lord at all. In James chapter 4, verse 7, the brother of Jesus, James, said this, Submit yourselves then to God. Submit yourself to God. Obey the Lord. What does that look like? I have three suggestions, three little takeaways for you tonight. The first is this. Adonai must be the Lord of your family. Adonai must be the Lord of your family. Well, what does that mean? Husbands, guys like me, like us, right? We are to love our wives as Christ loved the church. So it says in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? He died for the church. He sacrificed his life for the church. So guys, as husbands, we are to sacrifice for our wives in love. Sacrifice in love, in love for our wives. Is that easy? No. Which is why Paul writes about it for about 10 verses in Ephesians chapter 5, telling husbands how to sacrifice for their wives. Wives, what does this mean for you? It means to respect your husbands. Paul said, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, because your husband is the head of the household in God's plan. Now, this is never meant for a man to say to his wife, ah, you must submit to me. God said, you must submit to me. That's not what the point of this is. The point of that is not to hold someone under your thumb. The point of that is to say, I respect you because God tells me to respect you. And because you treat me as someone, uh, because of the way you treat me, I want to respect you. Husbands, if you will love your wives as Christ loved the church, she will respect you as the head of the household. Teenagers, there's a few in the room. You're like, wait a minute, he talks to us? Yes, he does. Teenagers, obey your parents. God says, honor your father and mother. Obey your parents. Teenagers, do what mom and dad tell you to do. They're not out to ruin your fun. Okay, I'll give you a little parenting secret. A little bit, a little bit, we want to ruin your fun. Just a little bit, just a tiny little bit. Like, you know, it's called payback. It's like when our parents ruined our fun, this is us getting you back, getting them back for you. But anyway, just, no, we, we don't want to ruin your fun, teenagers. We want to protect you. Obey your parents, teenagers. When it comes to our families, Adonai must be the Lord of our family. That means Jesus comes first in our family. God has to be the center of your family. It's not sports. It's not activities. Uh, it's not uh, uh, television. It's not entertainment. Jesus comes first. God comes first. Church has to be a priority. It can't just be an afterthought. Growing in a relationship with God is important. It's vitally important. It's essential to grow in a relationship with God. And part of that means going to church. It means bringing your family to church and saying, hey, we're going to go to church. We're going to learn about Jesus. We're going to learn uh, about God's love and, and how he wants to spend forever with us. And we're going to grow as people. And we're going to grow as Christians. We're going to become the people God wants us to be. And that happens when you come to church, when you encourage other people, when you listen to his word, when you sing his praises. It's not just something to do to fill up an hour on a Saturday night or a Sunday morning. No, it's, it's, there's development going on. There's spiritual cultivation going on when you come to church. And so I encourage you, make Jesus the Lord of your family and come to church. Make that a part of your life. You know, well, <laughs> I've heard parents say, you know, well, you know, I'm going to let my kids make their own minds when they get older about church and stuff like that. I don't want to force it on them. You wouldn't do that with any other area of their life, would you? 
You, you really would. You'd say, well, you know what? Eh, they don't really like school too much, so I know he's only in third grade, but I'm going to let him make that decision for himself whether he wants to go or not, and then he can learn the stuff later on if he wants to. You'd be like, no, get your butt to school. And yet we don't do that with church. Uh, the kids don't like it very much, or you know, they're not into it, and, you know, and I'd rather watch football. Uh, you know, we'll go next week or something. No, make it a priority. Like, it's not an option. Like, being a Christian, being a growing Christian, if you want to be a growing Christian, church can't be an option. It's got to be part of what you do. It's got to become part of your DNA. All right, enough of that soapbox. Number two, Adonai must be the Lord of your finances. Oh, man, Sean, can we go back to talking about the family thing? Now we got to talk about money. Yeah. What do you spend your money on? How are you investing your money in things that matter for eternity? How are you investing your money in things that matter for eternity? Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you've got to give all your money to the church. No, that's not what we do. We're not asking for your tax returns. We're not asking for your finances, your W-2s. How are you being a good steward of the blessings God has given to you? Because God has blessed you. The fact that we live in this country is a blessing in and of itself. Our health our jobs, our houses, our clothes. Everything we have is a gift from God. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift is from above. Now, everything we have comes from God. How are we being stewards? How are we stewarding the things that God has given to us? How are we using his blessings for things that matter for eternity? And I want to encourage you. You know, I, I was so excited when we handed out the baby bottles a couple weeks ago uh, to support the women's, shelter, the, uh, the women's Center of Northwest Indiana. I was so excited because all those bottles got taken. And we've gotten a bunch back. And by the way, they're due next week. If you took a baby bottle, you've got to bring it back by next week. But it, we, we had such a good response to that. And it just shows me that our church is generous. And, and we need you to be generous. And not just to pay the staff and not just to turn the lights on and not just to, no, we support missionaries and we support, we support missions overseas and here at home. We support uh, our ministry center. Our ministry center is one of our biggest budgets and we feed hundreds and hundreds of people every single month through our ministry center. And so if you will make God Adonai, the Lord of your finances and say, okay, God, how do you want me to invest my money for eternal reasons? How do you want me to use my money for eternal things, not just temporal things? How do you want me to use my money to impact the world for Jesus? And let him lead you in that and, and submit to his will in that. Finally, Adonai must be the Lord of your future. Adonai must be the Lord of your future. Remember, Jesus is in charge. He is sovereign. He is king. And he is master. And he is Lord. And he has a plan for your future. And it's not a bad plan. It's a great plan. If you will submit to his lordship, if you will submit to Jesus and say, Lord, not my will be done, but thy will be done. And just step back and say, God, lead me and guide me and take me where you want me to go. You will go on the adventure of a lifetime. You can trust your future to God. He's already there. And he's got it all figured out. And he is in charge and he's in control. He is Adonai. He is Lord. He is God. He is master. And just if you will just submit to him and say, God, lead me where you want me to go. Take me where you want me to go. And I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll do anything you want me to do. Knowing and trusting that his plan is good. 
And when we do that, when we say, okay, God, I'm going to submit to you as Lord. I'm going to make you the Lord of my life. I'm going to make you the Lord of my future. I'm going to make you the Lord of my family. I'm going to make you the Lord of my finances. I'm going to just surrender everything to you. I'm just going to let it go. I'm going to let it go and let you take the wheel. Carrie Underwood sang a beautiful song, Jesus, Take the Wheel. We need to do just that. We don't need to just let Jesus take the wheel. We need to let him take the driver's seat. We need to like get in the back and let him drive the car or the bus or the SUV or whatever you got. Let Jesus be in charge and say, God, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, I will go and I will do. I will obey for you are Adonai.